What's up, everybody? It's so great to see you guys online, whomever you are, wherever you are, all over the world. Hey, listen, we get it. We don't, we don't take it for granted. Plain and simple, we know people have choices as to where they spend their time, but we're grateful that you have said yes to God's invitation to join us here in his house of worship online, wherever you are, as we believe it was the plan and purpose of God that you would be present to plug into this series that we just started last weekend called Move as we are watching and learning how to navigate and respond to our God through the life of a central figure in the Bible and to our faith, a man by the name of Abram. As Dave taught us last weekend, Abram and Sarah, Abram's wife, who God later changed their names to Abraham and Sarah, were living good, comfortably, and content in the household of Abram's father when God shows up and says to Abram in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, he says, move, fool. You see it? You see it? Yeah. I, I promise I'm going to get y'all the Chi-Town version of the Bible real soon. Yeah. He says, go uh, from your native country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. And everybody, it's so problematic, this, this, this challenge that, that, that God gave to Abram on so many levels. Can I just share a few of those problems with you? You got a minute? You got a minute? Okay, here we go. Number one problem, Abram, everybody, was the oldest son in the family. Well, you say, well, Ray, what's the big deal about that? Well, in the Jewish culture, wealth and inheritance of the family, everybody, was passed down from father to son. And the eldest son, which Abram was, stood to gain twice as much as his remaining younger brother. Watch this. As long as he remained in his father's house. Are you seeing this? So Abram leaving his father's house, God was literally saying to him, hey, I need you to turn your back and forget about what's coming to you from your earthly father because the inheritance you're going to receive from your heavenly father is going to blow them little pennies out of the water. So don't allow yourself to stay safe, stuck, and satisfied with where you've always been. So number one, it wasn't not only Abram's future wealth at risk, but also number two, his current wealth was an issue. Genesis chapter 12, verse 4, it says that Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Did, did I say 75? I said 75 years old when he left Haran. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? Remember when God told him back in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, that uh, I want you to leave your father's house, leave your native country, when you hear that word native, that literally means everybody, he had been in this place his entire life, which means not only were all of his personal relationships there, but all his business relationships are here as well. And why is that important? Because Abraham had done well in business. Look at verse five. Verse five says that he took his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. Are y'all seeing this? I mean, Abram, he had money. He had animals. He had people. In other words, people as in servants and soldiers. Yeah, and let, me, let me say it like this. Abram didn't just have people who would help you if you needed to be served. He also had people who would hurt you 
if you was feeling froggy, you know what I'm saying? If you wanted to jump, yeah. Abram had them dudes that stayed ready, stayed ready to get it in. Anybody know some folk like that? Maybe you grew up some, with some people like that. Them dudes, man, they went to bed praying, Lord, please. Let somebody talk slick to my master. I ain't cut nobody in months. You understand? He had them type of brothers rolling with him. Yeah. And so everybody, above all of that, Abraham obeying the voice of God wasn't just problematic, not only because of his future wealth and not only because of his current wealth, but probably the biggest W he had a problem with. He had a woman. Yeah, it's going to make sense in a minute. Look at verse five. The Bible says, and he took his wife. Sarah. Now remember, God had never actually told Abram any specifics about where they was headed. You starting to make sense to you? Hey, fellas, you try walking up to your wife or woman one day and saying, baby, pack your bags. We leaving. Yeah, it, it, it might start off OK at the beginning. Yeah, she'd be like, oh, OK, we leaving. Well, where are we going? You like. I don't know. She like, well. How far of a journey is it? You like, I don't know. She like, well, when are we gonna arrive at this place? You like, I don't know. After the third, I don't know, the hand is going on the hip, the neck is rolling, and the finger is coming out. She like, well, if you don't know where we going, how far it is, or when we gonna get there, how you gonna know we there when we get there? Somebody say problematic, right? And listen, this is so amazing about this. In spite of all of the problems with God's requests, Abram still moves. He obeys God. He leaves everyone and everything he's ever known behind him, with the exception of his wife, his nephew Lot, and all of his possessions. And he steps out on the faith of the voice from the real and living God. A voice. He is hearing everybody. you got to remember for the first time in his 75 years of life, the God who spoke to Abram when the moon God, his daddy worship, remained silent. The God who touched Abram in a way that the idols, his people worship in his father's land left him empty. He moves. Abram goes and he believes the word of this new God who has never experienced before when he says, Abram, listen, now, if you do this, verse 2 in Genesis says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you and make you famous. I, I'm going, and you will be a blessing and, and, uh, to others, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. And everybody, uh, it's all good. The Bible goes on to say uh, in verse uh, 5, when they arrived in Canaan, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And, and, and Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. Everybody, this is so awesome. Uh, Abram takes the risk. He steps out on faith and bam, God gets him to the land that he promised him. And it's all good until it isn't. Look at verse 10. The Bible says, at that time, somebody say at that time. Yeah. A severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. Okay, okay. Time out on the field. I wonder if anybody's ever been here. 
You know, as soon as you start hanging out with Jesus, as soon as you rededicate your life to Jesus, as soon as you start increasing your church attendance from once a month to once a week, as soon as you upped your giving and started serving, stuff goes haywire every, in every area of your life. To the point to where now you're having some real conversations with Jesus. You're having a little bit of a different conversation. You're like, uh, now, Lord, I was doing just fine with how I was living before this. Doing what I was doing, acting the way I was acting. What the what is going on right now? Abram was like, we just got here. I did everything I thought you told me to do, and now this? The Bible says, everybody, Abram found himself in a famine. Somebody say famine. Yeah, that word famine is defined, everybody, as extreme scarcity of food or shortage, extreme hunger or starvation. And I wonder if anyone listening to me right now can relate to what that's like, yet to experience extreme scarcity spiritually, extreme scarcity physically or mentally. Anyone know what it's like to deal with a severe shortage financially, one or two people? Yeah. To literally feel like you're starving because what you feel like you need to sustain yourself, to affirm your identity, to survive another day emotionally has been cut off like somebody is cutting off oxygen to your body. And of course, the natural question, everybody, is why? Why does God allow famine in the first place? In other words, why would he lead us to a place, lead me to a land, lead us into a marriage, lead me into a job or to start a new business? Why would you tell me to move? Why would you lead me to go just to allow me to go through a season of famine? Here's your answer if I'm speaking directly to someone in this situation. And if you're not currently, keep breathing for a little while longer because you will. Yeah. Here's essential truth number one. Essential truth number one, everybody, is the purpose of famine is to reveal our flaws. Hey, Dave touched on this last week. And I get to take us a little deeper today. You remember Dave talked about how Abram had character flaws? You know, like Abram wasn't the perfect guy or the perfect candidate to be used of God and to be called by God because he was flawless, everybody, which is great news for us because uh, if he can use Abram, he can use anybody. Yeah. But the other thing I need you to know, the purpose of famine is uh, number two, essential truth number two, everybody, is even through seasons of great scarcity, God has a divine strategy. See, if I was on the online chat right now, somebody would type amen right there. I'm going to say it again. Even through seasons of great scarcity, God has a divine strategy. And listen, everybody, his plan is immensely bigger than the 15 minutes I got left to try to explain this in this online message. But three principles, everybody, God gave me that we can pull out of this text that I believe uh, is true about who Jesus is and is a part of his overall strategy that he wants to reveal to us is number one, everybody, it's in him where we find true safety. In him is where we find true safety. Look at verse 11. Bible says that uh, as he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarah, look, you banging. You see it? You see it? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and when the Egyptians see you, they're going to be like, Woo-wee! look at that thing right there. Let's drop that zero she wish she can get with these heroes. You understand? Yeah. As verse 14 says this, 
It says, uh, they'll say, this is his wife. Let's go kill him. Then we'll have her. So please tell them you're my sister. Then they will spare my life and they'll treat me well because of their interest in you. And sure enough, y'all, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarai's beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king, and Sarai was taken into his palace. Everybody, it got real, real quick. You feel me? And so here's this situation where Abram finds himself, and it doesn't surprise me because we learned earlier, everybody, that Abram was a boss and a baller in his own right. But Pharaoh, y'all, was the kingpin of bosses. You got to understand, the Egyptian empire, everybody, was the most powerful dynasty on earth at the time. And Pharaoh was the head of the empire. An empire, this is very important, who did not know or recognize Abram's God. So, of course, Abram feared for his safety. And if I could say it another way, then I maybe come down your row a little bit. Uh, he feared that he could not truly and holistically reveal what was real about himself. You understand who he really was, who he actually served, what his actual values were. Is this making sense to anybody? Who was connected to him? Why? Because he was afraid God wasn't big enough to cover him and that the culture around him would reject him, would relieve him of his possessions, and would ultimately remove him permanently from his life. And everybody, this is what happens when we stop walking by faith and we begin moving in fear. You understand? Fear will always have us operating out of character. Fear will always have us doing things, saying things, and dealing with situations out of desperation. And fear will even have us giving away things we never thought we'd give away. You know, things like our integrity, our good name, and in Abram's case, even his own wife. But everybody, when we walk in faith, in all things, the opposite actually happens. You know, I always laugh when people find out I played in the National Football League for six seasons and I was a Bears chaplain for five seasons when people ask me, oh, Ray, how does, how does one become a chaplain of a professional sports team? I laugh. Like, I don't know. This was a total God thing that I became a chaplain. I called a Bears chaplain up one day and asked him would he and the organization be willing to help sponsor school outreaches that I was doing locally in the Chicagoland area. And the chaplain was like, well, okay, that's cool, but you are a former player, you're saved, you speak, uh, uh, um, and, 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 and you love Jesus? Well, hey, would you ever want to do a guest chapel? I was like, sure. So he invited me to the, the year the Bears went to the Super Bowl, uh, against the Indianapolis Colts, he invited me to do a guest chapel. It went so well, he invited me twice more uh, before the second season was over. And so I had done three guest chapels in less than two years. And at the time, I didn't realize that, you know, that's quite a bit for a guest speaker to come in and do. And then one day he calls me up like, Ray, I'm going to be a part of the Baltimore Ravens organization. I want you to perfectly consider taking my place with the Bears. And I was like, no. Yeah, because, you know, it's one thing to speak to people. It's a whole nother level of responsibility on shepherding people. And I just didn't feel like I was equipped. I was ready. I was capable to handle that. But then I heard the voice of the Lord in my ear saying, Ray, 
this is exactly where I have you in this next season of your life. In other words, God was saying, move, boy. And so I'm thinking, everybody, even though I heard clearly what God was telling me to do, I thought of 50 reasons why I should not show up for the job interview with Lovey Smith. And quick question for all my people online. Anybody ever been to a job interview? Raise your hand if that's you. Yeah. Keep your hand up if you've ever been to an interview that lasted about an hour. Okay? Okay. Keep your hand up if you've ever been to a job interview that lasted an hour and you spoke about five minutes. Keep your hand up. Just me? Yeah. Can I tell you? That's exactly what happened in my job interview. When I almost didn't show up, I thought of 50 reasons why I shouldn't show up. I literally was pushed into the door by my wife and my small circle of uh, influence and my mentors and like, you better, boy, you better get in there, right? And I literally spoke 20 words. This is not an exaggeration. And for the next 45, 50 minutes, I got to listen to Lovey Smith cast vision and talk passionately about his goal to speak to our players, uh, to equip our players, to help our players be solid men, not just on the field, but off the field. And what a great opportunity God was giving me to be a part of what he was already doing in the lives of these young men who may not even know who Jesus was. And everybody, I walked out of, uh, let me take that, I floated <laughs> out of Lovey's office on cloud nine because God had showed up even before I got there and already had paved the way for me to get this position. And I said 20 words. But everybody, I'm going to say it again. When we walk in faith, instead of cowering in fear, the opposite happens, everybody. We show up when others will find a reason to back down. We stand up when the world around us falls beneath the pressure. We stay the course. Because our confidence is in the God who says in Proverbs 18.10 that the mere name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is what? Safe. Yeah. Because watch this, everybody. When we show up, God shows up. Yeah. Everybody, God showed up and revealed to Pharaoh that Sarai is Abram's wife. And God's like, Abram... <laughs> Let me show you that I got you. Look at verse 19. It says, Pharaoh says to Abram, bruh, you see it? See it? Yeah. Why did you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and get up out of here. All right? Because everybody, it's in him where we find true safety. But number two, everybody, it's in him where we find true security. It's in him when we find true security. Look at verse 16. Go back to verse 16. It says, Then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her, sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, uh, male and female servants, and camels. See, everybody, you got to remember, in Abram's mind, for 75 years now, his idea of a true sense of security was all about what he had and what he worked to get. You, you see, in Abram's mind, he was like, yeah, if I get this money, if I accumulate servants, if I got this baddie for a wife on my arm, if I'm in control of my own destiny, then I'm good. I'm secure. Look at what I did. Look at what I got. And everybody, every now and then, God will send a famine. 
He'll send a season of scare, a scarcity our way. Commit Corona. Y'all remember that? To remind, if necessary, the whole world who's really on the throne, who's really in control, who really determines whether you're blessed or not, whether you're prosper or not, whether you're even healthy enough to enjoy all your stuff or not. Because bottom line, everybody, it's not about your grind. It's not about your goods. It's not about your girl. It's not about your guy. It's all about God, baby. And he's teaching Abram like he's teaching you and I. Look, bro, you can't base your security on what you have. That stuff can be a hill one day and gone the next. You, you see this? He even shows Abram through Pharaoh. The most powerful man on the planet. Look at verse 17. It says, but the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarai, Abram's wife. In other words, what God was showing to Abram is, look, you can literally be number one. You can literally be the top dog. You can literally have the entire world seemingly in the palm of your hands to command and control. But what happens when you can't even lift your hand because you're too sick and weak due to plague. Come on, somebody. Is this making sense? You see, he was trying to teach Abram like you and I, everybody, that it's through him that we find true safety. It's in him that we find true security. Finally, everybody, it's in him where we find true salvation. Watch this, y'all. Go back to verse 18. It says, so Pharaoh summoned Abram. And accused him sharply. What have you done to me? He demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Now listen, I've tried hard to explain to y'all who this dude Pharaoh was. But I think some of y'all still are not quite capturing this. See, look, there are some people you can try to pull something over on. Uh, Pharaoh wasn't the one. You don't intentionally deceive Pharaoh. And he find out about it? Are you following me? Yeah. This, that dude, y'all, all he got to do is this. That's it. You see how fast that was? All he got to do is this. Your whole family, your whole town is wiped out. You understand? You don't play with Pharaoh. But look at this, everybody. I love this part. Look at verse 18 again. It says, so Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. Now, so I don't know about you, but I've been in enough fights. And I've been around enough fights to understand that there are two types of sharp tones. Can, can I show you a picture? One is when you have the power and authority over someone. You understand? Like I'm the bully and you got the kid brother and the bully stepping to the bread brother like, why you do that? You know that wasn't right. Yeah, I'm about to crack your head open. You know who I am. Right. And as the bully steps forward, then the little brother steps backwards. That, that, that's the one. But then the other, y'all, is when someone has the power and authority over you. See, the bully is real brave picking on little brother's sister until big brother show up. <laughs> yeah, when big brother show up, the language is still sharp, but the posture changes. You know, now the bully is like, why you do that? You know that wasn't right. And as Brick Brother stepped forward, Bully stepped back. Next time, yeah, next time, I'm going to crack your run. Right? Yeah. Everybody, you saying, Ray, how you know that's true? Well, well, look what happened in verse 20. The Bible says Pharaoh ordered 
some of his men, uh, to escort them. And he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all his possessions. Everybody, what should have easily been a death sentence, God turned it into Abram's road to salvation as he was delivered out of the hands of Pharaoh, better and wealthier than he was when he got there. Because watch this, y'all. Pharaoh recognized that Abram had someone riding with him that even he was no match for. Pharaoh was like, yeah, I may be the king of the entire earth, but I ain't no match for the king of kings. Everyone bows before me and calls me Lord, but even I got to bow to the Lord of Lords. And everybody, even with Abram's flaws and his false sense of safety, security, and salvation, God still demonstrated his love for him that while he sinned and went on his own way, God still saved and delivered him. Does that sound familiar? What a picture of what Jesus did for us when Romans chapter 5, verse 8, he says, but God shows his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. You say, Ray, why does God allow famine? Everybody, he does it because he wants us to recognize that it's not about our might, our strength, our education, our money, our connection. No, it's in him where we find true safety. It's in him where we find true security. It's in him where we find true salvation. If I could say it one other way, hey, everybody, God didn't just want us to know him intellectually. He wants us to trust him experientially. And he told me to say to somebody today that's maybe listening to this, you may be going through right now, how would you know God to be your safe space if your safety has never been threatened? How would you ever come to know Jesus to be your security if you never had to fully depend on him? How would you ever come to know Jesus as your salvation if you never needed to be saved from something? Make sense? We told you earlier the purpose of famine is to expose our flaws. And everybody, the biggest flaw that we have is we are sinners born. Nothing we can do about it. And we needed a savior to come and deliver us from our sense of sin. And, and whatever it is we're going through right now, I just want to encourage you that God has a bigger plan for. Remember what we said earlier. Um, even in great times of scarcity, God has a divine destiny. He has a divine plan for us. Our goal and our thing is we just got to hold on to his unchanging hand and let us not grow weary in doing good the Bible says we will reap a harvest if we just don't give up. Amen. I want to pray for you right there. And as we get ready to go into the blessing for our final worship song, uh, I pray that uh, you hold on to this word wherever you may be, knowing that whatever season you may find yourself in, it is temporary. The key is can we trust God and grow to know him experientially in whatever season he may have us in presently? Let's pray. Father, I just pray for whoever's watching this right now. God, that they would hold on to your unchanging hand. God, sometimes it's really, really difficult. It's really, really difficult to trace you uh, when we can't seem to touch you. But God, would you let them know, God, that you are always working 
for our good, on our behalf, whether it feels like it or not, that you have a plan and that you're working that plan for our good. Let us not grow weary in doing the right thing, despite what's coming back to us, knowing that we will reap if we just don't give up, if we just don't faith faint, if we just don't turn back. And God, we know that in that, Lord, you will get the praise, you will get the glory, and you will get the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.